0: Welcome on to the backstretch. I'm News Fives Heather Williams, and we are back for season two of the podcast. Feels like we just wrapped up the regular season like yesterday. NASCAR is the off season that never really happens. The season never seems to end. and uh, the year, season and the banquet in December. In January, you got the Hall of Fame, so we just keep cranking, 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 and Not a lot of downtime, but we are two weeks away from the start of the season with the Bush Clash coming in just a couple of weeks. I cannot believe that it is time to get rolling, but here we are. Got a lot of cool stuff planned for you on the backstretch this season. We're going to start this week by talking with William Byron, uh, a driver who is just on the cusp, poised, ready to take the next step to vault into the next tier of great drivers in NASCAR. He's already a really good driver, multiple playoff appearances, uh, consistent, consistent, consistent at Hendrick Motorsports, but not yet made it to the championship four. Is Is this his year? Is he ready and poised to take that next step? We'll talk to William about that. Also got a ton of catching up to do with our crew chief, chris carrier find out what his race team has planned for the season and also talk to him a little bit about some of the expectations of some of the teams going into 2023 so should be a lot of fun let's get this fired up we are joined now by our crew chief chris carrier who also happens to be the crew chief for the number 75 food country truck in the craftsman truck series we've got a new series name this year chris first of all how was your off season
1: off season's been busy, but great. Uh, got to do some neat things with my family around the holidays and so forth. But we've been, uh, we've been, you know, we've been pretty uh, prudent about getting our equipment ready. We've got some projects going on, had some projects going on, and still do. Uh, trying to get all our trucks ready. We've redone some things, uh, tried to improve some things, uh, so on and so forth. Also with our traveling equipment and so on and so forth i am uh i am anxiously awaiting uh just a few days where we'll be heading down to daytona
0: kevin harvick announced that he's retiring at the end of this year i know you worked with kevin uh i know kevin is not always the easiest person to work with Mm. and he has a reputation of sometimes being difficult but he's also given a ton to this what what is kevin's legacy in NASCAR. He,
1: to me, Kevin Harvick is a guy from, from every time I've been around him, when I worked with him, worked for him, and got to work with him a few times in him driving the vehicles I was working on trucks and a car. He, one thing about it, he is absolutely 100% dedicated to what, what how that car performs and how he performs. He, 100%. And that kind of attitude, uh, you know, reminds me of you know one of my heroes, uh, you know, Vince Lombardi. That's a, he he demanded, he demanded the pursuit of perfection, and he was about it himself. I mean, I watched him at the time I worked for him. Part of his workout regiment was in a little gym that was in a corner of the shop up on the upper floor, where the crew chiefs office was, and I remember watching him a few times, just thinking oh my God, this guy's fixing to kill himself. What, you know, what, and he was, it was, and after the workouts, and they, usually these were on Monday morning, after a cup race. And I talked to him a little bit about that, and he said, you know, nowadays you can't expect, it's so competitive, you can't expect us to show up and have the fastest car. It's not gonna happen. You, you got a driver's gotta make the difference. You know, and he said, you gotta want it more than everybody else. Well, he, he, uh, I mean, he just oozes that attitude. And sometimes his desire to win and to be successful overflows with some anger in it. You know, now as he's gotten older and more experienced and so on, that's kind of calmed down. I think probably uh, since the birth of his first child, it's probably calmed down. It does it to a lot of us, it does it to almost all of us. So um, he has been, you know, he owned a team for 10 years that ran trucks in Xfinity. Um, they were always competitive, they were always good stuff. He found sponsorship, he had good drivers in him. they were successful, and he played the game as hard as he could play it with that. He's driven the same way, he came from basically nothing, all the way from California, and moved here, and he was like, I'm not giving up, I'm gonna be tougher than the challenge. And he's always you know, reflected that in everything he's done, so. Um, I'm going to miss watching him race because it was kind of like I missed Dale Earnhardt in a way. It's like you could always say, when the race got boring, you could always look and say, okay, where's that three car? Well, you all could say, where's Harvick? Because if if he's out there, something's going to happen pretty soon. He's going to do something. Something's going to happen that's going to be entertaining and exciting. So I'm going to miss that. You
0: mentioned Earnhardt, and it's interesting because – it's so hard to follow a legend I mean he yes. jumped into a legends
1: car yes. most
0: drivers could not have dealt with oh the no pressure.
1: oh no 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 not even close not even close and Kevin jumped in it like he had that confidence you know I guess you can you can call it cocky you can call it arrogance you can call it whatever you want to but let's face it he backed it up he knew that uh, I can do this And yeah, he respected Dale Earnhardt the same way everybody else did, but it was like, okay, this is my opportunity. I'm gonna make the best of it. And I can remember when Dale Earnhardt first got his really good Cup Series ride. You know, it was with Rod Osterlin in 78 or whatever. I can't remember, but I remember following that, storyline and of course back then the seventies, this you know media wasn't as easy you know communication was these all delayed and and i can remember when we said man that guy will wreck everything that guy's got and he ends up winning races wins rookie of the year wins championship pow 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 when the legends born and you know harvick steps in at atlanta storybook finish beats jeff gordon by what six inches or something and the crowd in the, crew and everybody goes wild he goes around the racetrack with you know backwards with the number three you know with his fingers and it's just you know he stepped in and I always respect I always have high respect for people that sees sees that opportunity when it comes they know it they're not scared of it they go and they get it done and you have to have respect for that and uh, you know he, he lives that way now he's got a, a son who is obviously he's going to help him do everything he can to get him, you know, to be a race car driver and to be successful. And man, what an advantage to have a teacher like that. I mean, nobody's probably a better driver instructor than that kid's dad. So I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see how that will go. You know, he's already got him in go karts and everything else and unbelievable. But you know, I'm, I think it's. I think you'll, I think that you'll see a, maybe a little bit different, a, a, a different version of Kevin Harvick with his son. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's not, that there will be times when uh, his son might be involved in altercations that Kevin might stand up for him pretty strongly. But I also think he will make that boy fend for himself. Cause that's what's gonna make him tougher. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see that myself. You know, I think Kevin's, Kevin does a good job when he's uh, in the booth, you know, and I think he's going to do more of that. So, well, I just, I don't know. I think he's been very good for the sport. You know, you've got you to give the guy credit. I mean, he's done a lot. He's employed a lot of people, including myself, Help pay, pay my salary, my, my, you know, my living for my family. So um, got to be thankful for people like him
0: what storyline do you think will be other than harvick obviously that's a big storyline going into the year but what storyline do you think will be the biggest one who should we be watching what things should we be watching is it kyle bush yes. is it legacy motor car is it you know 2311 with their new drivers what do you what are we looking at
1: i think i think uh, it, you know pure nascar fans I, I think the biggest thing is going to be that kyle bush in a Richard Childress car, you know. Wait a minute. He he works for drives for Richard Childress. Uh, that that is that's something that you know some of us older, you know, is like having a hard time getting across because we remembered when Richard Childress had him in a headlock trying to punch his lights out for running in one of his cars after a race. But I think it's going to be you know the fact that Kyle's been with Toyota so long and Joe Gibbs was so long and it's, I think that divorce was a little bit ugly you know to say the least and now there's appears to be a lot of passion for him whether it's gonna rekindle that you know his last year or two mostly wasn't that great with a lot of people were saying what's wrong with Kyle Busch well he's, he can't drive no more he's too old he's lost his you know the his this as that I, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how that how that whole thing works, how that plays out, to see how well he does, how he gets along with Richard Childress and his team, Andy Petrie, uh, the crew chiefs, the engineers, the team managers there, uh, how vocal he is about the weaknesses that may crop up from now and then, and how how hard he races the Joe Gibbs cars, which I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty hard. And I think that's going to be the, you know, the storyline. Again, it's these other new teams. Like you mentioned, 23-11, building up. They've got different drivers now that, you know, it's all, you know, you're looking like, okay, the face of this sport is changing some. And some of the drivers that we watched, uh, like Kevin Harvick, like Kurt Busch, unfortunately, and some others are now not there anymore or not going to be there anymore. I'm, I'm anxious to see how, how Harvick does in his last year, how intense that will be. I don't think he wants to go out as a eh, mediocre. I don't think he'll let that happen.
0: William, thanks for joining us today.
2: No problem. Yeah, I look forward to it.
0: Um, So tell me, you've had a few months away from racing. What's the offseason like for you?
2: Yeah, it's been nice. I think, uh, you know, we kind of spend a lot of time in the offseason just going through um, how to get better as a team. And um, we spend some time you know, in the shop doing that. And then also spend some time at the simulator. So it's been nice to spend some time at the sim and, and um, really just have some, some time at home and some nice quiet uh, down downtime. So it's, it's been good.
0: When you look to the season, it seemed like you guys as a team made a pretty big jump last year, uh, as far as uh, uh, your ultimate goal of winning a championship. What's kind of the goal this year? And how do you, how do you, take that next step?
2: You know, I think, um, yeah, we talked about that a lot. I think just making the final four is the, is the first goal for us. And we want to win some more races. So that kind of affords us the opportunity to get more bonus points, but um, yeah, certainly just start, start by um, having a strong clash, you know, and getting through that race and then, you know, taking on the week down in Daytona and, and trying to do the best job we can there. So I think it honestly is just a, kind of a one week uh, process week by week to try to see where we are, but we're excited for the the season. I think that we just have to, uh, like I said, gather some more bonus points this year, hopefully, and um, just kind of, you know, manage the entire season.
0: The clash in Daytona, you mentioned them. There's such different events that anything you guys do for most of the season. Does that tell you anything about how your season's going to go? Or um, I know a couple of times like Tony Stewart finished dead last and Daytona and still won championships. Is it just one of those things where you try to survive and then get on to the to the meat of the season?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of excitement around the first two races and um, there's a lot of build up and hype. And I think that that's great. You just have to manage it um, because, yeah, you can't get definitely get too excited and um, be really be really worked up for those races and then, um, you have a bad result and it kind of is a letdown. So I think that for us, we just try to manage the, manage that, all of that, um, try to just do the best job that we can in those first couple races. But honestly, I think it's all about kind of managing, managing the, the excitement around those first couple weeks.
0: So this is obviously the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. How great would it be to be able to win that Daytona 500. I feel like so many of these, especially like, um, you know, crown jewel races have a little bit more of a a meaning this year or does it, is it all the same to you as a driver?
2: Um, Yeah, I think yes and no. I think it's, it's definitely special after the fact, you know, I, I would certainly think about that in victory lane, no question, but um, yeah, when I go to into the race, I don't think about really any of that. I've just kind of focused on doing my job and, you know, when it gets down towards the end of the race, I try to treat them all the same because they all, they all pay the same amount of points. So I think that really just try to um, yeah, just approach it uh, very similar all the way, you know, through, through the end of the race. And then a, a lot of that stuff does hold a lot of meaning um, after the fact. And, you know, when you celebrate with your team, it definitely, definitely the Daytona 500 and um, some of these bigger races hold a lot of meaning.
0: So, with it being 75th anniversary, do you have a favorite moment, maybe either something you saw or maybe something you just read about or saw on YouTube over the 75 years of NASCAR?
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, the races that I've seen in my lifetime um, that come to mind is just that 2007 Daytona 500. uh, That was really a great race and one of the most iconic uh, Daytona 500 races that I've, that I've been a part of and seen. So Um, That one comes to mind. Um, And yeah, I think just kind of the way that we came back from COVID and and ran all those races. I mean, looking back at it, it's pretty, pretty amazing because, you know, just the circumstances around that and how difficult that was. That was that race. Those races stand out to me.
0: Uh, As we go into the new season, a lot was made last year. Uh, about the the next or the next gen car and and the safety and I know your teammate was one of the one of the people that suffered a an injury that affected his career. NASCAR made changes to the car going into the season. Do you guys as as drivers do you feel better about the car going into this year?
2: Um, yeah, I I think so. I I definitely don't um, think too much about it to be honest with you. I I think um, I just focus on the things that it takes to to go faster and um yeah I feel comfortable with what they did though in the off season I think you know they changed some some structure in the car and um yeah I feel comfortable I'm ready to uh to drive it
0: are you working on any uh any new cool lego projects right now
2: uh not right now I've just been um you know the weather's not too hot right now but just been playing a bunch of golf and and uh trying to you know honestly doing a lot of sim racing too so um, just been doing a lot of racing, and uh, that's occupied a lot of my time.
0: So I know you're a huge Panthers fan, and obviously they are not in the playoffs, but do you have a, a Super Bowl favorite, a team that you're rooting for in these final four?
2: Yeah, it's tough. I think, um, like, three of the four, I think, could, could really easily win it. Um, you know, I think, honestly, all four. But I would say if the Bengals get to the Super Bowl, I'd say I'd pick them. Um, based on their past history, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, I feel like the NFC teams are really, really good, and they're probably probably above the the AFC teams right now. But we'll see.
0: Everything you just said broke my heart as a Chiefs fan. Just FYI, just totally broken hearted. But it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I would <laughs>
2: I would say different if if Mahomes was healthy, but yeah, it's, I don't fair.
0: <laughs> it's completely fair. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. For my final thought today, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame. I mentioned it uh, briefly in the monologue. I went to the Hall of Fame ceremony this year because Mike Helton, who is a Bristol, Virginia native, went in as the Landmark Award winner this year. I want to talk about what what makes a Hall of Famer. What what makes a driver a Hall of Famer? Because I look at this year's class, and while well, immensely fascinating and diverse class. I sat there and wondered, you know, are these guys Hall of Famers, all three of them? Probably so, you know, but what is a Hall of Famer and and, and, and who should go in is, to me, not very well defined and, and sort of cloudy in NASCAR. Um, from a personal standpoint, and I don't want to like disparage anyone that's on the voting committee or that has a vote or is involved in the Hall of Fame picking, but I do feel like there's a definite deference to recency. There's a definite recency bias in the Hall of Fame selections. There are, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, a lot of older era, still modern era, Although some classic areas eras, but they're 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 handling that with the with the uh legends or whatever they call that uh division. But there are a lot of older eras seventies, sixties ish drivers and people associated with the sport that in my opinion should already be in the Hall of Fame, that are not, and I think that's just because there's just a lot of recency bias. I mean, the people that are voting for the most part are, are, have been in the sport or covering the sport a lot less than I have, and I don't in any way, shape, or form consider myself a historian or um, an expert on the history of the sport. Love the history. Learn new stuff every day. Every day I learn something about the sport that I didn't know before, but... I'm not in the room voting, trying to honor that history. And if I was, um, I would probably lock myself in the room for about six days and you wouldn't see me so I could really dig deep into what really were the historic landmark moments in this sport and who needs to be honored in the Hall of Fame. Years ago, when this podcast was a blog instead of a podcast, because that's what we did in in the early aughts, we wrote blogs. Uh, I wrote a blog called don't know much about history. And, um, I also wrote another blog, um, that said if NASCAR is serious about diversity, they'll put Wendell Scott in the hall of fame because my opinion hasn't really changed on this subject much. There's not enough emphasis put on the history of this sport in the hall of fame. Wendell Scott only won one race under most circumstances. That's not really a hall of fame career but Wendell Scott was much more than that one win. I kind of feel the same way about Janet Guthrie. She hasn't won a single race, but her impact on the sport was much more than wins and losses. And if we're going to put people in the Hall of Fame across all racing divisions for all sorts of accomplishments, not just purely numbers, then you have to look at someone like Janet Guthrie And say, why are they not in the Hall of Fame? Or Tiny Lund. People that really changed the history, the trajectory of this sport. And until we do that, until the sport does that, I have a really just a difficult time, I don't know, feeling like it's a true Hall of Fame. Matt kid's is great. Hall of Famer, done a ton in the sport. But does he absolutely need to go in in the first ballot when we're only putting three people in a year? Two modern era folks, and there's so many people that are much older than him. Ricky Rudd, for instance, that's not that are not in the Hall of Fame. I get that we're that it's they're a very difficult balance because you have to make people that are here care, and they care about more about guys they saw raised, but. I just can't help but wonder if we're getting this backwards in the sport. And if there's going to be some people that are not going to get to be around when they finally get into the Hall of Fame, and that, that would be a shame. Thanks for joining us on the Backstretch. We'll see you next week.